I hope everybody is doing awesome today. We've been talking about Carly a little bit this morning. Um, she's our director of volunteers. Many of you have gotten to know her. Some of you will get to know her today at volunteer training. And if you don't know about that, it's because you don't follow us on social media. So that's where all the information is. And super excited that three weeks from today, we move into our brand new facility. And that's going to be January 27th. Once again, more information about that at the end of the message. Today, we're going to dive right in. If you have a Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. But before we get there, kind of in anticipation of tomorrow night's um, college football playoff, which, by the way, Clemson is in and South Carolina's not. They're, they're not even close. They didn't even sniff it. Um, they lost the Belk Bowl, okay? Anyway, does anybody shop at Belk anymore? Okay, anyway, so what I wanted to do is I wanted to just kind of review last year's top 10 college football rankings. This is how it all turned out last year, just so we can kind of do a review real quick. Here we go. Um, whoops, went too far. Last year, number one was Alabama, number two is Georgia, number three, Oklahoma, number four, Clemson. Number five, Ohio State. Number six, UCF. That's the University of Central Florida, for those of you that might not know. Um, number seven, Wisconsin. Number eight, Penn State. Number nine, TCU, which is Texas Christian University, which they should be number one because they're the only Christian university there, right? And number 10, Auburn. Now, just a real quick question. This isn't meant to trick anybody. It's just a matter of common sense at this point. Who on this on this poll is the only happy phone, phone, phone. Sorry, my bad. Who on this board right here is the only team that was fully satisfied when the season was over? Alabama. Alabama. Exactly. They're the only team that was satisfied. For example, Georgia at number two. Jeremy, you're a Georgia fan. Were you were you satisfied with the number two ranking in the season? No. Why not? It's number two. There was only one team better than you. Why aren't you saying Georgia fans didn't get a we're number two shirt made up, right? <laughs> we're number two. I'm a Clemson fan. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I was not satisfied with number four. I wasn't like, woo, we're number four, okay? Auburn fans weren't like, we're number 10. Most Auburn graduates can't count to 10. Um, <laughs> no, nobody, I'm just, it was a joke, it was a joke, it was a joke. Nobody on this board right here was satisfied except for Alabama. All these teams put in hard work. All these teams have talent. All these teams put in effort. But the only team that was truly satisfied at the end of the season last year was Alabama because Alabama was number one. In other words, they were first. Now, with all of that in mind, let me ask you this question. Where do you think that Jesus wants to be ranked in our lives? It's, yeah, it's not, it's not a tough question. He wants to be ranked first. Now, let's be honest, most of us watching today, he's probably somewhere in our top 10, okay? If, 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 you're, if you're watching, I'm just guessing he's somewhere in the top 10, and his rankings can fluctuate depending on the weekend, like New Year's Eve, he might have dropped to like number four or five. He might have dropped out of the top 10. Who knows? I don't know what you did. Please don't start confessing on Facebook. But I'm just saying he's probably somewhere in the top 10. But at the end of the day, he really does 
want to be first. He's put in the work, right? The whole cross and resurrection thing. He's put in the effort. But um, I, I want to pause real quick and just say, this isn't a message where I'm going to guilt trip everybody into, you know, if Jesus isn't first, then you didn't make him first. If he's not first, then you suck. That's not, this is not one of these messages. Because I want to acknowledge that putting Jesus first in the world that we live in is hard. It's hard work. I mean, there's some things competing for our attention. There's some things that kind of lure us away. So today, I want to teach you a prayer. Um, and this is something that I've had to learn over the past year or two. A prayer that I pray on a consistent basis that really helps keep me focused. Instead of me telling you, put Jesus first because it's difficult, I just want to share with you something that I pray. And it's this, Lord, give me the faith to put you first. So I'll get your best, not the world's worst. Let me say it again. Lord, give me the faith. In other words, Jesus, it, it, you can, by the way, you can pray this even if he is first. Now, I know some of you are like, okay, if I put Jesus first, then I, get, then I have to get weird, and then I have to talk about God, and I have to always wear Christian t-shirts. And let, let me tell you, Jesus isn't first in their lives. Religion is first. Pride and arrogance is first. That's not Jesus, okay? Somebody full of compassion, that's somebody that's full of Jesus. And so, at the end of the day, it takes faith. It really does take faith to put Jesus first. So, Lord, teach me how to put you first so I'll get your best and not the world's worst. We're either going to get Jesus' best or the world's worst. Now, sometimes, sometimes we opt for the world's worst because it looks better in the moment than what Jesus ultimately has for us. Okay? This isn't like, hey, there's two glasses here. There's a glass of water and a glass of pee. Which one do you want? Okay? Everybody's going to choose the glass of water. No, no, no. The world, what the world has to offer us looks more like this. These are deadly. These are cupcakes. Now, I don't know about you, but cupcake, like if I go to somebody's house, we cut a cake, I can have a piece of cake, and I'm fine. But cupcakes, I've eaten four or five. They're kind of like nuggets, like the nugget tray from Chick-fil-A, like you eat 17 chickens, not 17 chicken nuggets. Um, the, these, but... I did the research on, on this particular brand of cupcakes. These are between five and 600 calories a piece. Now, let's say you eat four or five of these a day, every day for the rest of your life. That, that's going to significantly decrease the capacity for your life, right? Or let's think about this. Two football teams, Alabama and Clemson, are playing tomorrow night. Let's say one football team, everybody on the football team eats six of these cupcakes right before they play. Quick, quick question. Are they going to be effective on the field? Yes or no? No. Even though they look great, even though they probably taste great, the long-term effects of this multiplied over time equal somewhere that we don't ultimately want to be. So when I say, Lord, teach me to put you first so I'll get your best, not the world's worst, the world has stuff that looks great, that tastes great, that might be great in the moment, but ultimately, long term, it's not going to get us where we want or need to be. Now, I want to show you how all of this works out in this story in 1 Kings chapter 17 of a guy that I just love in the scripture name, Elijah. The Bible says this, now Elijah, the Tishbite, 
from Tishbe, which is where most Tishbites would be from, in Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab was the king of Israel at this moment, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, in, in the ancient world, if God wanted to get people's attention, he would send a famine or he would send a drought and the people would, um, most of the time they would turn back to the Lord. Well, the kingdom of Israel wasn't following God at this particular moment in time. I mean, they had completely turned their back on him. So God said, I'm going to send a drought. And he sent Elijah to announce to Ahab, who was the king, hey, no rain is going to come for the next several years except at my word. Now, I'm quite sure that in the moment, they laughed at Elijah. They thought that was funny. They thought that was hilarious or whatever. I'm sure in the moment, that's what they thought. But after a, an extended period of time with no rain, Elijah became a hunted man. This would be like me going to um, Donald Trump and saying, hey, um, Mr. Mr. Donald, sir, um, for the next several years, the stock market is going to plunge except at my word. That's how bold of a move this was for Elijah to make. Now, when you make a bold move like that, you got to, okay, God, I've done what you've told me to do. What do you want me to do now? Now, watch, the, watch what happens next. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here. Turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. I want to stop real quick. I want to stop. Notice how specific God's word is to Elijah. God didn't say, have peace. Feel good. No, 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 no. Which those things are great. I love peace and feeling good, okay? When God speaks to us, when God is going to show us how to put him first, he really will speak specifically to us and tell us where we need to go. He didn't say, hey, Elijah, figure it out. You're on your own. No, no, no. He goes, hey, this is where I want you to go. Watch what else he does. And this, this right here, I've been playing with this all week. And anyway, you will drink from the brook, which is important because there's going to be a drought. So there's going to be no water, but there's a brook there. And I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Now, pause. Just put yourself in Elijah's shoes. On the surface, does this make sense? Yes or no? Yes or no? No. No, no, no. I, okay, first of all, first of all, I can, I can go there. I can buy into the brook thing, but you're going to send birds, ravens, who are playing today in a playoff game, um, the ravens to supply me food. Now, here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. And I've read about this, and it messes theologians up. Ravens were unclean animals in the Old Testament. You weren't supposed to associate with unclean animals, but all of a sudden, we see God using something unclean to supply the prophet with food. How weird. It's jacked theologians up for... I, I researched it this week. Isn't it funny how God can use what the world calls unclean to supply people when they're in need? Perry, how does that practically work out? 
I don't know. It's still messing with me this week. I'm just saying it's in the scripture. God said, I'm going to take care of you. You're going to have water to drink. The ravens are going to go by and get you some food at the drive-thru. And they're going to swoop in. They're going to drop it off. And this is what, this is what blew my mind reading through this. Verse 5. So he did what the Lord told him. That, th- th- this, is, this is what happens when God's first. It's, the Bible doesn't say... Elijah prayed about it. Elijah got together with a small group. And I'm not saying we shouldn't, don't need small groups, and I'm not saying we shouldn't pray about things. I'm just saying in this moment right here, the Bible says he did what the Lord had told him. You know why? Because God was first. Because it didn't make sense, but he said, all right, God, I'm trusting you. So, so the Bible says he went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. So what God told him would happen is what happened. God totally took care of him because he was willing to put God first, even when it didn't make sense. See, here's the the big idea that I want to communicate out out of this right here. We don't experience the supernatural through the super spiritual, but through simple steps of faith. Let me say it again. We don't experience the supernatural through the super spiritual, but through simple steps of faith. I've been in church services where everybody prays at the same time and they yell at God for like 30 minutes. And listen, if that's your style, man, go with it. I'm just saying, number one, God's not deaf. And number two, Jesus told, Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 6, we didn't have to use a bunch of words when we prayed because God already knows what we need before we even ask him. It's not through the super. Some people are like, well, I fasted for 40 days. That's awesome. If God calls you to fast for 40 days, do it. I'm, so far, he's never asked me to do it, and I hope he doesn't because Jesus did it and Jesus took my place. And so that's why I tell people I don't fast for 40 days. But if you do it, man, praise God. That's awesome. If, if people go, I only listen to worship music. That is amazing. You're missing out on some great workout music, by the way. That is awesome. I'm so glad that's going on. I'm just saying, when we get super spiritual, a lot of times, that's not a, that's not a sign of us following God. Once again, it's a sign of religion or it's a sign of pride or a side of arrogance. It's the simple steps of faith where we see the supernatural take place. Simple steps over and over lead us to supernatural places. It's consistency. Consistency in the simple steps. Like, for example, if you want a six-pack, abs, not, not, not okay, you, okay, I, I got I to clarify. If you want a six-pack, you got to go to the gym on a regular basis and you got you to do proper nutrition. Okay, that's it. And if you, if you, that's what I want. And you go to the gym one day and you work out and you eat right for one day. The next morning you get up, you're not going to have a six pack. It, it's, it's taking those simple steps on a consistent basis. Over time, you see dramatic results. And that's what we see happening here. Elijah was taken care of by God because he took a simple step of faith and said, I don't know about the brook and the raven, but I'll give it a shot. Now, it keeps going. Here we go. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, I'll pause real quick. 
me personally, if I was Elijah, and you go out one day and you notice, because he had to notice the brook was drying up, and when there was no water, so there's a little less water, and there's a little less water, I'm starting to freak out. But I'm that guy. I'm that guy that um, if I'm driving down the road and my car gets below a half a tank of gas, I'm, I start to freak out. I've got to find a gas station. Anybody like that? Anybody, anybody in this room? Okay, how about this? How many of you are vaguely aware that your car needs gas from time to time, and when your gas light comes on, that's when you go get gas? I mean, okay, yeah, that's the majority of the people. It's great. Um, if my phone battery goes below 80%, I've got to find something to charge it with. How many is like that? How many is like that? How many are vaguely aware that your phone needs to be charged? Raise your hand, Carly, right now. Get it in the air, Carly. Our director volunteers, Carly, if you ever call her and she doesn't call you back, it's because I swear I've known her for five years and her phone has never been over 10% charged, ever, ever, ever. And she's like, I don't know why it's not charged. I'm like, if you plugged it in. The other day it was 4%. She's like, this car, anyway, Enough picking on Carly. I'll, I'll do that more later. But, but this would have freaked me out. If you, see the, if you see the brook drying up, it's like watching your gas gauge go down. It's like watching your phone battery die. And I was Elijah. I'm freaking out. But Elijah doesn't freak out. The Bible says, the, notice this. God let the brook dry up. Then, the, the Bible says, then the word of the Lord came to him. See, I would have preferred a little bit of a, a, a notice but God, don't miss this. God doesn't work in systems. He works in steps. I would prefer that God worked in systems. A plus B always equals C. But that's not how God works. God was teaching Elijah that the brook is not your source and supply. I am your source and supply. So I'm going to let it run dry. And when it runs dry, then I'm going to tell you what you need to do next. Sometimes God will let us go through a dry season to get our attention so we'll know what to do next. So watch what happens. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I want to pause real quick. We just read over that. That's a big deal. Because that was Gentile territory. Jews weren't supposed to associate with Gentiles. Don't miss this. In first phase, you got the ravens, the unclean, supplying him. Second phase, God's going, I want you to go to an unclean place with unclean. Isn't it crazy how God can use anything, anything for the good? He said, I want you to go to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food, which would have bothered me because widows typically weren't the ones that supplied food. Widows were the ones that needed someone to supply them with food. So, so it didn't make sense on the surface, but once again, we see Elijah. So he went to, okay, okay, God, I, I, I'm not supposed to go to those places. I'm not, but you called me to go. So here I am in Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. Bam, I've hit the jackpot. I'm supposed to, like, how do I find the widow? And, like, will there be a glow? Will she be wearing, like, a, a, a cross necklace? Probably not because they didn't have cross necklaces then. Will she have, like, a green T-shirt? Like, I don't know. So he goes, and automatically the first person he sees is a widow gathering sticks. 
he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and bring me, please, a piece of bread, which is just like a man, always pressing his luck. Hey, sweetheart, will you get me a bottle of water? Yeah. Hey, while you're up, will you fix me some pancakes? Like that, that's basically what's going on in this story right here. He's pressing his luck a little bit. Now, at this point, he's, he's gone to where God has called him to go. He's done what God has called him to do. You would expect this scene for the widow to turn around and go, oh my gosh, yes, I would love to bring you a piece of bread because God had told Elijah earlier, I told this widow to take care of you. But we have a problem. We have a problem. Verse 12, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. As surely as the Lord your God lives. In other words, he's not my God. He's your God. My God wouldn't let a famine take place. My God wouldn't let the drought come. My God, I mean, she's a widow. We don't know. Her husband could have died in this process. She could have lost some children. She undoubtedly lost some friends. She had lost hope. She was going through a tough time. And, and I want to pause. Let's not be too critical of her because people that have tough times and lose hope, sometimes it's not that they turn their back on God. It's they feel like God turned their back on them. There's some people watching today that maybe you've lost hope. Maybe you've lost hope, and it's not that you feel like you turned your back on God. You feel like it's that God turned your back on you. And if that's you, I'm not here to criticize you. I get it. I know what it's like to be in that pit. I know what it's like to deal with those emotions. I know what it's like to look at somebody and say, hey, he might be your God in this moment. I'm, I'm not even sure that he's aware that I exist. When somebody loses hope, and I'm talking to somebody today who has lost hope or is losing hope, I want you to understand God understands exactly where you are. That's why he sent Elijah into this woman's life. Not to lecture her, but to love her back to the place where she needed to be. Watch this. As surely as the Lord your God lives, not my God, your God. I don't have any bread. You're asking for bread? I don't have, have you ever felt like God's asking you to give something that you just don't have? You need to love that person. I have no love for that person, God. You need to step into that situation. I don't want to step into that situation, God. This, th that, that's what's going on in this text. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now, this doesn't mean she was a bad cook. What it means is this is our last meal. This is all we've got. Have you ever felt like you're barely hanging on and you don't know how you're going to make it one more day or one more week? Because that's where she was. This is our last meal. And after we eat it, we're going to die. But God, 
God does something crazy through Elijah. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. I want, I want us to just highlight that phrase, those three words. Don't be afraid. Why are we so afraid of putting God first? Why are we so afraid of saying yes to Jesus? Why is that so scary? Because for, for me, for me, it's scary. Like sometimes I'll, I'll admit, um, when I first started getting involved in church and even I mean, sometimes, you know that hymn, I Surrender All? I surrender. I mumble it because I'm like, I'm not sure I want to sing this right now because I'm not sure I want to sing this. I mean, it's every, like everything, surrender all. I remember when I was a kid going to church and hearing the pastor say, you need to give God everything. And I didn't want to give God everything because I knew if I gave God everything, then I was going to have to like become a missionary in Africa. And like that was just this big fear. And I'm like, I don't want to move to Africa. And so I was just freaked out. We freak out because, because we're afraid that if we surrender everything or we put God first, he's going to screw up our lives. But in actuality, don't miss this. God wants greater things for us than we actually want for ourselves. God wants greater things for us than we actually want for ourselves. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, that his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so the freedom is not found in the power of suggestion. God, I think we ought to do this. The freedom really is found in the power of surrender. We don't have to be afraid of saying, Lord, give me the faith to put you first, because at the end of the day, he wants better things for our lives than we want for ourselves. If you're a parent, you get this, right? You want better things for your children than they want. That's why you have to redirect them sometimes, right? It, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said, make the meal. But first, but first, there's that word, first. But first, hey, before you make that meal, before you make that meal, there's a step I want you to take. And Elijah knew about taking steps because he had taken the step with the ravens. He had taken the step to come here. She's resistant. She's lost hope. And Elijah's going, hey, I understand. You know, he didn't, he didn't even lecture her. He's like, yeah, go home and do as you said. I, I get it. If I were in your situation, I would probably be thinking the same thing. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. So, so, so do this first. Take this step. It's a step of faith, right? For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. In other words, Elijah said, if you'll take this step of faith, God will totally take care of you. Now, let me ask you a question. Was this a, difficult, was this a difficult decision for this woman? Yes or no? Yeah, it absolutely was. She could have chosen to say, you know what, I'm going to take the easy way out. By, by the way, you can go all the way back. Elijah could have chosen to say, I'm not going to the Kareth Ravine. I'm not going to sit by the brook. I'm gonna, not going to let the ravens come and feed me. And you know what happened to him? He would have died. He would have died 
because of the famine, or they would have, or the king would have had him hunted down and killed. This woman could have chose not to do this, and what would have happened to her, her and her son ultimately? She would have died. Now, I'm not here. Just I'm not here telling you if you don't do God's will that God will kill you. I'm, I'm not that guy, okay? Because if that were true, I wouldn't be here. I'm just saying, when we don't put God first, we things really do die inside of us spiritually, emotionally. We we experience some like something just loses life. And so he's just saying, listen, you've got an option here. You can put God first or you can put yourself first. But if you'll put God first, he'll totally take care of you. He'll totally take care of you. Now, when I was thinking through this and thinking through the areas that I myself have struggled with and that people struggle with, there are two main areas that we wrestle with on a consistent basis when it comes to putting God first. And this is just from ministry experience and personal experience. The first area is our treasure, putting God first in our finances. Now, I'll put my cards on the table with no apologies and tell you that I'm a, I'm a tither, which is 10%. I'm a tither off the gross. I believe in it. I don't believe it's an Old Testament principle. I believe it's our, our, our concept. I believe it's a principle. I started doing it 20 years ago, and I can't explain it. But God has always, always, always taken care of me. I believe in it with all my heart. I'm smoking what I'm selling. I'm getting high on my own supply, anything else that I can use here. I mean, I, I believe in this because I've seen it work. But I want to acknowledge that finances is the most difficult area to put God first in. Because we got so many things. But let me tell you why it's so important. Let me tell you why putting, and by the way, by the way, I always say this. If you think the church is after your money, specifically our church, then give to another church. I don't care. Whatever it takes for, for you to get God first in your finances, the reason why is because of something Jesus said. Jesus said this. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Don't miss this. Jesus said, you can't give to something without it affecting or changing your heart. That's what he said. Over time, as you give, your heart really does experience change. It's a difficult area to surrender, but once you do, you will be amazed, not at what Jesus does with your money, but at what he does with your heart. The second area that we have a tough time putting Jesus first is our time. Now, let me tell you what I caught myself doing. And I didn't used to do this, but I caught myself doing this about a year and a half ago. About a year and a half ago, I caught myself one morning, and I'd been doing this for a while. I would wake up and check my phone. But I wouldn't just check my phone. I would go through every app on my phone because I've got serious FOMO. Not as bad as Carly. This is pick on Carly day. Hashtag pick on Carly. Not as, but I do. I, I, so I would be like, okay, Instagram, what happened? Ooh, like that. Ooh, I need to leave a comment. Uh, Facebook, what happened there? Um, Snapchat, what happened there? Um, what the, I, the uh, other apps? Uh, Twitter, yeah, that's it's gonna be it's it's old, but it's still there, right? It's kind of like Belk. Um, but but like I would I'd look through Twitter to see what happened there, and then oh, I got to return this email. And before I knew it, I'd spend an hour and a half in bed giving my phone 
the first hour and a half of my day. Now, I want to pause real quick. I want to pause. I'm not one of those put your phone down guys. I'm not one of those we spend too much time on our phone guys, okay? I mean, cut, because here's why. Here's why. I grew up with my parents telling me I was spending too much time on video games. Some of you remember that? But today, there are people that make over $100,000 a year playing video games. So, I'm broke because of my parents. I believe that with all my heart. I'm blaming it on them. So I'm not one of those, put your phone down, don't ever look at it. Don't, I'm not one of those people. I'm just saying, now, for me, I get up every morning, I look at my phone to see if there's any important text. Important text is somebody is either dead or dying. Okay, that's, that's the important text. I get out of bed. I get my dog Chance out of bed. I got a little dog named Chance. If you haven't seen, he's real cute. And I go and I give God the first few minutes of my day. Now, that's what I'm challenging you to do with, with your time. Ask God to give you the faith to put him first. When I say put God first, I'm not saying do, do two and a half hour quiet time. I'm not saying, I'm just saying take five, just try this week. Your first five minutes when you wake up belong to the Lord. However you connect with him, connect with him that way. If it's through a Bible plan, by the way, version, it's, it's an app you can download for free. They have incredible reading plans. If it's listening to a worship song, if it's meditating, if it's prayer, I don't care what it is, try it this week and you will be amazed at how God over the, over the course of the day will actually multiply your time. He really will. I'm, I'm telling you, it blew my mind when I caught myself doing it. I was actually able to get way more done by putting God first. Just, just listen, five minutes. You can do anything for five minutes. Give God the first five minutes of the day and watch how he multiplies your time. Now watch what happened. Watch what happened. This is so cool. She went away and did as Elijah told her. Once again, once again, don't miss this. Simple step of faith. She didn't yell, scream, cry, pray, fast. What it, it just, all right, is this what God wants me to do? I think she figured, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to die. I, so, so I've got nothing to lose here. So she, she goes away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. She had the courage to put God first, and God completely took care of her needs. That's what happens. That's why I'll come back to the prayer. I'm challenging everybody to pray this year. Lord, give me the faith to put you first. Because, And maybe he is first in your life, and if he is, that is awesome. That is awesome. By the way, if he is, you wouldn't say, he's first in my life, because that would be pride, and you know not to do that. Lord, if he is first in your life, that's great, but if he's not, say, Lord, give me the faith to put you first. Give me that kind of faith to put you first. So I'll get your best, because God really does have your best interest in mind, believe it or not, and not the world's worst. Now, let me kind of break this down, uh, personal illustration, and I'll close. Um, for me, when I was trying to figure out how to wrap up this sermon, 
it all circled back around to the fact of where we are right now as a church. Because, let me be honest with you, launching the church on an iPhone on Facebook Live was easy. It was easy. I just hit the button, started talking, and if people didn't, I, this was my whole attitude. If people don't watch, I can shut it down. It was easy. No staff, no easy. But then opportunities started happening, and I became aware of the facility that we're going to move into in three weeks. And I remember where I was when God spoke to my heart and said, you need to call and check on that facility. And I wish, I wish I could sit here and tell you that God was first in my life and I heard his voice and I instantaneously did it, um, but I didn't. I was like, I'm not, I don't think, I don't, I'm not, I love Facebook Live camera thing. That's safe. But I'm telling you, God's pretty relentless. At least he is with me. I mean, he chases in a good, in a good way. And for about three weeks, I wrestled with this. I didn't tell anybody because if I told somebody, then they would hold me accountable. Um, I, I was just like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And I never will forget, finally the day I picked up the phone and broke off the phone call to ask about the facility that we're going to get to move in. And in three weeks, we're going to move in there. Since then, we've, um, we've been able to go into the facility. We've been up, able to update it. Um, you guys have given over $250,000 just to the building campaign so we could go in and do it debt-free. Like all of these m unbelievable things have happened. We've got a really great group of volunteers in place. We've got some awesome things. And on the 27th of January, we're, in, we're just expecting God to show up and do some amazing things. But listen, listen, it all happened because of a phone call. It really was just a, in, in a lot of people's minds, it was a small step of faith. But those small steps over time lead to incredible things. So would you have the courage this year to say, you know what, Lord, give me the faith to put you first. Even when I don't understand where you're asking me to go, just like Elijah, even when I've lost hope like the widow, give me the faith to put you first. So I can get your best and not the world's worst. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that your word is living and active. Thank you so much for everyone who is hearing this message today in this room, online, at LifeSpring in Tennessee. Thank you so much, Lord, for those who are going to listen and watch later. And Father, I just pray that right now in this moment that you would speak to each of us about what our next step is. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just take maybe just five or ten seconds and just pray, Lord, give me the faith to put you first. And what's my next step? Maybe your next step is to give your life to Christ. Maybe you never have prayed to receive Jesus and because either you've, you just never have, you've never gotten around to it, or you've always thought, if I give my life to Jesus, I'll have to get weird. Um, no, no, no. Jesus wants what's best for you. And today, the best decision that you could make, if you've never done this, 
is to give your life to Christ. So if you're watching right now online, you're at LifeSpring in Tennessee, and you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to invite you to pray right now and invite him into your life. I just want you to pray right where you are. Just pray in your heart, Jesus Christ, I believe you died on the cross to save me from my sins. Right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and take over. I surrender everything to you. Show me how to live for you the rest of my life, the best I know how. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer at LifeSpring, um, if you would, on your way out, if you would stop by the, the green room area and let somebody know that you just prayed to receive Christ, they would love to help you take your next step and celebrate, follow up with you. If you prayed online, if you'll just hit the hand raise emoji um, on the mysecondchancechurch.com site, if you'll just hit the hand raise, because we want to know that you prayed to receive Christ and celebrate that like we do every week. If you're on Facebook, if you'll do a hand raise emoji for us, just so we know um, and can help you in any way we can, take your next step. So you just hit those hands right now so we can know and celebrate with you. Super excited about what's going on. Um, in three weeks, can y'all believe it's three weeks? Carly, can you believe it's three weeks? Logan, can you believe it's three weeks? You can believe it's three weeks. If you, hey, Carly and Logan picked out all the furniture and it looks awesome. Looks awesome. It looks awesome. Um, yeah, it really does. It's not a joke. I don't really have a joke. I know it's pick on Carly today, but I figured I needed to be nice to her at the end of the message. Um, our move-in date is Sunday, January, or January 27th, 2019. Two services, 9-15 and 11-15. Real quick reminder, we have a nursery for babies six weeks. We were saying zero for a while, and I couldn't do that. Six weeks to two years. After two years old, you can bring them with you in the service. But warning, I'm going to cuss a lot. I'm just kidding. You can bring your kids with you in the service, two services that day. Now, I might, you never know. 9.15 and 11.15. Originally, we were going to move in on the 13th, but we had some building code issues, but we think we've got those resolved. And so January 27th, 2019. By the way, thank you for those of you that, that consistently gave over 2018 because of you putting God first in your finances. We're able to move into this place debt-free. And for those of you that want to give or you want to know more information about how to give, you can go to mysecondchancechurch.com, mysecondchancechurch.com, or you can send a check to this address, Second Chance Church, 210 South Main Street, Anderson, South Carolina, 29624. By the way, that's not the physical location of the church. We've had people ask, this is where our church offices are. So if you show up here on the 27th, um, you, you can go eat at Mellow Mushroom or Jay Peters, but, but we're not going to be here. It's a different, we'll put it, we'll put the physical address on the website the week of, all right? Um, but this is where you can go and find out more information about how to give. And this is where you can mail, mail, um, in a check or a, a letter that Carly would love to read. All right. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. The best is yet to come.